Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, tonight is Friday, the 9th of September. We, I realized that uh, tonight uh, being our first uh, Bible study for the year, uh, getting back as many people return back to college, uh, school, this is the time of the year that uh, our, our life kind of uh, returns to something. It's the beginning of the school year uh, for both adolescents, whether it's grammar school, middle school, or even high school, as well as <clears throat> post-secondary uh, high school education into college and so forth and so on. And we always uh, typically take the summer off. Uh, a lot of families are traveling. A lot of families have uh, the time for them to uh, be with family, uh, do family things because it's hotter, it's warmer, and they're able to be outside more times. So a lot of times Friday nights are a little bit difficult. I've always hated it uh, sometimes, meaning that I love it less uh, because of September being uh, the return to high school and football games and different things. Uh, but uh, I understand and realize that we were not going to have a physical Bible study tonight, uh, being the fact that uh, tonight uh, being uh, or today being September the 9th, uh, we uh, as a family on my mom's side uh, buried uh, my uncle or my Theo, Rudy. So uh, we did the funeral today, and that was a time for us to get together uh, as a family. But thank God uh, I was able to get back to the office at a relatively early time and basically would have been here on time for even to have a physical Bible study. So I apologize for that. So I was pressed, um, and uh, the unction that burned through my spirit was to still at least conduct a, the Bible study tonight be it that even if it was recorded and posted, uh, that you would not be absentee of an opportunity to learn. Amen. So with that being said, tonight uh, we are going to talk about, uh, as we uh, introduced on Friday, excuse me, as we introduced on Wednesday, uh, a theme change for a title for our midweek service being uh, our crossover service. And I begin to explain what that crossover uh, could and possibly and should represent. It's Wednesday's the hump day, and it's getting from the beginning of the week to now being Wednesday and getting us through the end of the week um, where we are now uh, celebrating it's the weekend and no work. So typically, everybody's off on Saturday and Sunday. So Wednesday is that middle day, Monday, Tuesday, middle day, Thursday, Friday. And so the crossover is, uh, as I begin, you can go back and look at uh, 9-7-22 uh, message uh, on YouTube, or you can go back to the Spotify 45 podcast and listen to that. And you'll see the breakdown so we don't waste a lot of that uh, tonight's precious time on re-explaining that. However, it's kind of like uh, that crossover into we are uh, providing for our family working going to school and doing all these things and Wednesday the hump day to get us through the weekday uh, will get us to the weekend where we can do what's really important in our lives uh, spam family time uh, time at home with the kids time at home around the house but also amen to be able to do what we love to do as Christians and that is to serve and worship the Lord it being that we could uh, gather together on Friday night, uh, start the weekend off right, and in a Bible study, and then uh, be able to do something on a Saturday that we are normally not able to do because we can't get up every day of the week and do this, but maybe get up and come to uh, early morning prayer. And then Sunday, one of the things that we definitely are not able to do, and that is to attend church and be in fellowship with one another because we have to be at work and get our kids to school so forth and so on. So today, September 9th, 2022, uh, our Friday night Bible study, uh, it will be under our activating podcast number 46. And uh, tonight's lesson is going to introduce us into a four-part series. Tonight, we're going to look at the first one. And if there's a theme that you're looking for, so you can take your notes, it's going to be, I get through. But how do we get through? 
is a secondary title. I get through, but how do I get through? And there's a meaning for that. It just seems to be that as we were preparing through prayer and fasting and preparation uh, for what we're doing now for this, for us, it's a new year because um, September 1st is our anniversary service. Uh, our, our, should I say, our anniversary birthday as a church. Uh, we launched out on 2001, September 1st, 2001. And it was in that time that uh, it begins to launch us into what we are doing as a congregation. So with that being said, uh, we got into this theme, like I said, uh, crossover service. And what we're talking about is we are able to overcome a lot of things. And so a topical a subject that has been kind of common is how do we deal with conflict? How do we deal with situations that come against our life? And what does it take to get through those moments? A lot of times people like ourselves, human beings, uh, are always trying to justify the means uh, or we're trying to predict the outcome of something. And it's very uh, critical that we also project the outcome of something based on the input to something let me say that again it it, it behooves us to know what the outcome or what's going to happen next by understanding what's happening now by the input of the success of our outcome or our desired outcome after our actions so many times when even dealing with uh sometimes the questionnaires of common life and common situations that what you put in is what you get out and that is so important in regards to our spiritual uh, success in the faith and salvation in christ jesus yes even though salvation is a free gift listen to wednesday's 9 7 22 podcast 45 listen to that message and it helps us to understand the difference between Christianity being a religion versus it being a relationship. <clears throat> and so tonight, we're going to open up this four-part series. I'm going to go to <clears throat> our particular scripture. And let me see if I can. Yeah, I lost that. Give me one second here. <clears throat> so we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. And we are going to look at a probably famous scripture of Paul the Apostle. And we're going to hopefully find this resolution in the area of our lives where we are going to talk about what does it mean to be pressed but not crushed. Pressed but not crest, crushed. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to begin to read in verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Okay, let's see. I lost my spot here. Okay, 2 Corinthians. Ah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. And we're going to go to about maybe the 10th verse. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Whose minds the gods of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord. And ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. In verse 6, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves, not of ourselves, but of God. We are hard-pressed on every side, verse 8, 
yet not crushed. That's point one. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Point two. Verse nine, persecuted, but not forsaken. Point number three. And struck down, but not destroyed. Point number four. In verse 10, the Bible says, also carrying about in this body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. For we, in verse 11, who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Verse 12, so then death is working in us, but life in you. Verse 13, and since we have this same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that, in verse 14, he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise up, will also raise up. Amen us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Verse 15, for all things are for sakes, for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Now, it's amazing because we can project many different things. And there are times when there's no human way that we could orchestrate or put together uh, anything and just, you know, it's just God. You know, it's, you basically can say things like, there's no way I could have, I could have created this situation or this, or this scenario. And that's when you really do know it's God because God had been working out the details. And therefore we follow through the plan and we end up in the outcome of God's desired plan. That being said, amen, it was uh, a great time today and being able to be privileged and humbled and honored to preside over my uh, Theo Rudy services. But there was a common question that kept being asked, and this is not a negative, amen, from the individuals uh, who asked it. But it, it, like I said, I could not have orchestrated this. I could not have set this up anyway. It was God. It was just, and so I'm sitting around and uh, many times a common question, which is a common question for uh, many to ask me when they haven't seen me in a while is, uh, how are you doing? And, and sometimes uh, to the true friends or the true, not that family isn't true, but what I mean by true family, uh, maybe I should say, uh, honestly and genuinely concerned family. Uh, I, I know we have a lot of things going on in our personal lives and maybe sometimes we do uh, reference amen in memory or thought of a loved one, but there are times where you have family members that just genuinely, I mean, beyond uh, need, motive, whatever else, they're just genuinely uh, concerned about how you are doing. And I have a handful a family that I would categorize that uh, in that in that category or that block or that sandbox. And so many times I was asked, you know, how no, but how are you really doing? And in our society today, when we deal with so much that's going on, we can only come to this portion of scripture and can only imagine what Paul the apostle and all the other ministers were dealing with. You got to understand this, amen. They were in a time unlike ours. What do I mean by unlike ours? They didn't have the technology and the support systems and everything else that we had. Uh, similarly, amen, it's the same because they uh, were being introduced, amen, into a, a, a ministry, a gospel, a, a, a message, amen, a, a, a gift, a promise, the outcome of God's plan for humanity, amen, after the fall of Adam and Eve. God had a plan in their mistake to restore and redeem his children. And, and in that, amen, we, we can so easily similarly attach what happened to them then in the Bible, Paul and the other ministries, to what's happening to us today. 
there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of humanity that is going on. And so when you're asked, like myself, how are you doing? Uh, you know, the reality is, is that we will many times we'll say, I'm doing good. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing good. Um, but I've learned to, to, to be a bit honest, but also to be, I hate to say it, even when it comes among family and friends, uh, to be professional, you know, there is a place and time for everything. Um, and maybe when somebody's asking you, how are you doing? It's not the place and time to just pour it all out. Just let it loose. You know what I mean? Uh, because it could be maybe in a non, uh, protected environment or a non-secure place of privacy and so forth and so on. So I understand that, but when you when you go through things like Paul the Apostle and many of us like us, amen, that have gone through things like you who are going through things, it's okay to be honest. And I think that a lot of times in the the desire not to be the the bearer of bad news, hey, I'm not doing so well, hey, I'm having a difficulty, or uh, for for the reason or the basis of why you are gathered with those friends and families uh, may not be about you, may not be about me. And so we don't want to uh, be a, an attention grabber or a party pooper, so to speak, for lack of better words, amen, uh, to bring down a darkness, you know, in a the gloom in the room and so forth and so on. So we'll just say, you know, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing perfect. But it's okay to be honest. And that's, I think, in this whole part of this um, uh, four-part Bible study for this fall season of the church, may it help us, amen, for those that are returning back to school, those that are entering into a new level of realm, whether it's going from uh, kindergarten to junior high school, junior high school to college, uh, high school and high school to college, uh, for adults returning to college and so forth and so on. It could be a very gloom and doom uh, moment in our lives, amen, especially for parents that have sent their kids off to college or maybe the individual kid who's leaving the college. You're in a new area. You're in a new place, a new job, a, a, you know, a new career, so forth, a, a new city, a new town, a new, a new block that you moved into, a new house and so forth and so on, a, a, new, a new chapter in your life. And so in hopes of this four-part series in the better time of the, of the season, that if you're ever feeling down, there's so many places that you can reach out to. You don't ever want to be caught in a place where you feel so isolated and so segregated and so separated that you find yourself alone. Yes, I am speaking towards uh, depression and anxiety and all these other things, uh, even to the place of where you feel even suicidal tendencies or thoughts. I can't imagine what Paul the Apostle and the ministers were, were dealing with. I can't imagine in the book of Luke, amen, in the story of John the Baptist, amen, when he was being sentenced to being beheaded and the anxiety that was going on that in the break of the morning light it would be the dawn of the next day which was going to be the day that john would perish in the fear of that i mean think about that and the unknown of the pain and the agony of how they would call how they would draw this out paul is no different you're no different i'm no different but J john the baptist could have just said hey man i just can't deal with this it'll be easy i'm gonna die in a few hours anyways i'll just End it now. So please understand that there's always a way out of those places. And if you reach out, 626-384-7932, uh, you, you can uh, be re referred to that. The National Suicide uh, Hotline is available and so forth and so on. Prayer is our hotline. And so tonight, I want you to understand that I, I don't know if somebody, maybe some people, when they ask these questions, do they hopefully have a projected, you know, answer that they're hoping for? Uh, are they, when you're dealing with a genuine person, a genuine individual in your life, 
Are they prepared and ready for whatever the response is? Or are they just expecting and praying for this? The one response, I'm doing, I'm doing good. The reality is, is this, and we're going to get into the scripture, but this is just the foundation of how important these Bible studies or any type of Bible study or study or gathering and fellowship. If you're a believer, especially if you are a disciple, it's even mando. You know, if you're a disciple, man, it's mandatory. Why is it mandatory? Because you can't and don't want anything else but to be in fellowship with one another in the breaking of bread, in the studying of the word of God. No different why today we're supposed to be off on the first Bible study because of the funeral of my uncle. But it's in my it's Mando. I have to do this. Why? Because it's just it's in my blood. It's in my my spirit and my soul. And uh, as a disciple, yes, as a believer, as a disciple, but also as a uh, one of the fellow ministers like Paul, the apostle in the fivefold ministry. That's who I am. So it's mandatory because there's a light inside of me that needs to get out. And we're going to break that down, so I won't get too uh, far from it. But here's the, here's the foundation. I'll tell you this. I begin every day at ground zero. Now, I may end the night, like tonight, on cloud nine. I may end tonight on the mountaintop. I may end today uh, with accomplishments of success and, 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 and candor of celebration and jubilation because, thank you, God, you got us through the day. But there is not a day, and there's and, and and sometimes like you know in any point, Amen. I got back a little bit early, got to the office, I was able to take a little nap. I was up all night, uh, and still on time for Bible study. Isn't that amazing? Well, cutting worship a little short, you know, and being ready to minister by eight o'clock. Yeah, I was right on time. It's in my blood. It's in my bones. Uh, it's in my spirit. And, and and I want you to understand this is that no matter if it's a three hours nap or an hour nap, it breaks my cycle. If I'm up all night, then that means I'm up all night. And then when I take a nap, whether it's 30 minutes, an hour or two, it breaks that cycle. And I end up on ground zero. What does that mean? Every morning I end up on ground zero. I may tell you right now uh, in the middle of my day or the three quarter part of my day, dawning onto the evening uh, light that I'm doing good today, but guarantee tomorrow morning or whatever break in my cycle may be, I'm going to end up on ground zero. What does ground zero mean? That the heaviness of a new dawning of a new day is before me. I just got up. I just woke up. I got up from a nap, whatever it may be. And now I have the rest of 24 hours before me to get to the point maybe that I am tonight in. Thank you, Lord. You got us through this day. Thank you. You got us through this funeral. Thank you. Got us. Through. Thank you, Lord, man. What a success. I'm happy. I'm jubilation. And you may ask me right now, how are you doing? And I'll say, man, I am doing awesome. But when I break that cycle and go to sleep and take partake, amen, of even that of the death of Jesus Christ that we take upon us as we're going to look through this. Amen. As Paul and the fellow ministers do during this portion of biblical scripture. But once I break that cycle and I wake up, I have 24 hours ahead of me. And that's scary sometimes. So if you would have asked me that same question that you would ask me at noontime or at evening time, it's not going to be the same maybe at, five o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, when now I have to start my new day with 24 hours ahead of me. Oh my God, am I going to make it through this day? And I start at ground zero. That's not the point of this series of, of, of Bible study, but it's the foundation and introduction. So I say this, I start at ground zero and I always end up in victory by the end of the day because God always gets us through that day. Now, if, unfortunately, if I was to succumb to life and not make it through another night, I still am victorious. Why? Because I am now with the presence of my Lord and Savior. So I want you to understand that. And so hopefully this Bible study, this introduction tonight, point number one, amen, uh, pressed but not crushed, will help us to understand that there are always an outcome 
but it's only successful in that outcome by the input that's being put in for the outcome desired. In other words, amen, when you and I are not in fellowship with the Lord, it begins to bleed out, seep out, just pour out of our lives on the outcome of what we're experiencing. I can tell you at a few hours past, amen, that ground zero moment when I first get up and start off my 24-hour day, it may not be all that pretty when you say things like, I need coffee first. Don't talk to me. I need coffee. And, and you're beginning to get going. And then you make it to work on time. The kids got to school. You got to work on time. And now you're sitting at your desk and people say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Why? Because I don't even realize what you went through. I'll tell you, yesterday with some last minute changes and cancellations and everything else to get uh, it all organized. At the end of the day, and now I'm talking about like 23rd hour, I'm a military guy, so, uh, you know, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, hours is midnight, 0, 0100 is 1 a.m., 1000 is 10 a.m., 1300 is 1 a.m., 1600 is 4 p.m., 2300 is 11 p.m., and at the 23rd hour of the day, I'm trying to uh, get all this together, amen. I show up to church the next day to uh, preside over the funeral of my, my Theo Rudy, and not a lot of people would, could realize what a father like myself, who, who is a widow of his beautiful wife, Claudia, and mother of Joshua and Samantha, but the responsibility of Joshua and all these things, it, it took mountains that started at 3 a.m. in the morning, well, actually 2,300 the night before, and bleeding into the next day, but by 0300 that next day, a few hours later, amen, all the things that we needed to get done, the input, yes, we succeeded. <laughs> we got through this day at, 20, at the 2000 hour of the day. We got through, and it was a great success. But the input is the reason for that outcome. And I'll just give you a little example as we get into the scripture. What, so could, what, well, what are some of those ingredients for the input? Prayer. I pray, God, you need to be able to be glorified in this, so provide. I can't have everyone cancel out. You're going to work this out. You're going to put this together, and it's going to be divine. And it was. Thank you, Brother Roger, for coming through. He was blessed. I was blessed. And it had been a while since we had seen each other. Got favor at the, at the funeral, the mortuary. And everywhere I went, got favor. And it was a great success. But the input, yes, the input. What was that? My full trust in God that he was going to see us through this. Prayer to commence that. Worship to give him the glory and thank him for that. <clears throat> And all the honor and recognition that it was all the power of God was through the testimony of my spoken word. I'm doing good. Any other place, any other time, I'd probably say, uh, I'm a little bit away from ground zero, but every morning I'm at ground zero. <clears throat> and I guess that's the point today, because in this Bible study, we maybe look like we're doing good all the time, but we're not. And that's not a negative. <clears throat> Why is it not a negative? Because we all start at ground zero. But it's what we put in from ground zero that gets us to the 24th hour of the day, the 2000 hour of the day, the beginning of a new dawn, 2359 minutes. <clears throat> Excuse me, the 23rd hour of the day and with 59 minutes. And God gets us through that day. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Got a frog in my throat. The input. Getting up before everybody else at ground zero. Praying. For the wee hours of the morning when the Lord can still be found. Meaning that... <clears throat> Before you get busy, 
before your day your day takes off on you. Some asked me, "How are you doing?" I said, I, I, "I'm hanging in there. I'm like a I'm like a cowboy." Excuse me, got a little hiccup. I'm like a cowboy holding on to the horse's tail. Well, I'm off the horse, but I've not lost the horse. I mean, excuse man. Going on here. Excuse me. I apologize about that. And I'll say, <clears throat> I am off the horse and I'm holding on to the horse's tail. A couple of people laughed about that. But these were friends of the family. These were cousins uh, through my cousin Mark, uh, his side of the family. But I, I hold them as cousins. And they'll ask me, you know, they ask me, and I'm really close to them. <clears throat> and um, uh, saw my cousin Thudy, and I shared with say, I'm holding on to the horse. I may be holding on to his tail, but I haven't let go. And that's the key thing. I have not let go. I may be there for a while, and I may be braiding the horse's tail, but, hey, I'm still attached to the horse. Getting what I'm saying? And so in that, amen, we, uh, we seek God before everything else can be found. And that is the success of our outcome at the 23rd hour of the day. To only go to sleep and to wake up at ground zero again. The Paul the Apostle compared the ministry of the gospel. We read the scripture already, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He compares the ministry of the gospel <clears throat> to a treasure of jars of clay. And this is a metaphor for Paul. And that's why I'm sharing this introduction to you. It's a metaphor that God stores the priceless the priceless gospel, the message of salvation, mercy, and grace in fragile everyday human vessels. That's why he says in verse uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but 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 driven to but not driven to to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. He lists some real hard, hard, real hardships he and the other ministers experienced. And I can relate from that, from being a believer at one time in my life uh, to, a, to a Christian, to a, a, a disciple, to a co-laborer of the fivefold ministry of the gospel. It didn't happen right away, but it's been like that since the way. Amen. And because if you understand this, we are common. We all start off at ground zero every morning. Or if you work the night shift every night, the start of your day. See, jars of clay are common. Earthenware containers. Jars of clay. But the ministry of the gospel is the most valuable treasure on this earth. And I want you to understand this, that sometimes we... We, we worship the creation rather than the creator. We worship the jar, the, the container, rather than the contents, the contents of what's inside that vessel. And so many times uh, the reality is, is that I'm at ground zero, amen, uh, and I'm not doing too well because I, I got 24 hours ahead of me. My God, I just got done. And that's what it is every day. Once you complete your day and you break it with your slumber time of rest and, and relax, re, relaxation and rejuvenation of your, uh, of your body and your sleep and your rest and everything else, you start all over again at ground zero. Whatever you did yesterday is yesterday. Today is today. Paul the Apostle was the greatest author of that. I put those things behind me and I press on to the forward upward calling of Christ Jesus. Sometimes we're so focused on the vessel of, of, of as a character or, or as, a, as a container, a carrier, than what's actually being in the context, the contents of that vessel. Just like we worship the creation rather than the creator, the container rather than the contents. What's the contents? As Paul the Apostle is what he's saying, amen. It's the gospel. It's the, it's the message of hope. It's the message of, of redemption. It's the message that, yes, even like today, you die, 
and then you rise again, amen. And the scripture says, the same that rose Jesus from the grave is going to raise us up in his glory. What a great day to end. But guess what? When I break today cycle and, and, and now wake up again at the 20 hundred hour of the morning, I'm going to be back at ground zero, 24 hours ahead of me with no clue how it's going to come out. What I do have as a common denominator is how and what I input into the success at the 2400 hour or the 2300 hour. Because I'm not going to worship the container. I'm going to worship the contents. I'm not going to worship the creation or the creation. I'm going to worship the creator. And I'm going to input for greater success of every day from ground zero. See, the New Living Translation makes Paul's meaning even more evident. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like this fragile clay jar containing this great treasure. It's fragile. It can break at any moment. That's who we are. I can break at any moment. Presiding over the service and breaking at a certain scripture or, or, or as I shared at the graveside, you know, I, I read these scriptures and it's like sometimes the first time I'm hearing it, the first time I'm ever reading it. And it just brings me to humility and, and I just want to break down and cry like I've never heard it before. That's the power of God. And we can break at any moment. Hey, how are you doing? And just lose it. Thank God, amen, that that's neither here nor there and far from being here. Amen. I'm grateful for that. I wouldn't want to ever have to be in lost control of my emotions or lost control. And I tell you, man, yes, many of us got up there and we're just lost in control of our emotions. And we break out in tears, sharing about my uncle Rudy uh, and, and, and sharing about family memories and all these other things. Amen. And the reality is this, amen, is that, that that's a vulnerable place. Amen. So it's important to invest that vulnerability as an earthen clay jar, fragile uh, earthware container that is the creation of God. Because it's not about what my container, my flesh, my existence matters, but more because it doesn't. It matters less than what's inside the contents of my heart. And that's why he says, uh, we know we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that, that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed by those troubles. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, knocked out. Come on, somebody. But we are definitely never, ever destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the faith of Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. In our bodies. That's the living translation of the same scripture we read. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. Or 1 through 10, actually. No, yeah, 4 through 10. In the New, King, New, New James King, New King James Version. Uh, and so with that, amen, I want you to understand this. That yes, we are pressed, but we're not crushed, amen. We are uh, pressed on every side by trouble. It's almost it's like it's sinking in. You get claustrophobic. Amen. Instead of claustrophobic, amen, we get spiritual phobic, amen. Salvation spoke uh, uh, phobic, amen, where we're pressed on every side and we, man, but I got saved. God's going to save you. We're pressed, amen. We're pressed from every side by troubles. But remember, your troubles are not going to crush you. But it's important what we put into 
so that we can have the outcome from. And we need to get back, beloved, amen. If you're not praying before you get your coffee, if you're not praying before you get your day going, oh my gosh, I don't know how we're doing. We're running on fumes. It's almost like that phrase, we're an accident waiting to happen. One of the testimonies we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, my cousin Valerie shared about uh, Theo Rudy uh, the day that he passed uh, nearly a month ago. That uh, she said that he was driving around with tires that were really, really bad. He says, ah, I'll get them later. You know, tires are not cheap. If it's like me, I try to buy one every three months when I need tires. Hopefully in a year, I'll have all four. You know what I'm saying? And that's sometimes who we are. We're, we're driving around on, 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 on bald, you know, treads on our tires, metals, you know, starting to show the alignments out. We're like that spiritually because of the lack of input. If you're not praying in the morning before you get going, that's the reason why you're frustrated. That's the reason why. Uh, we're, we're, we're overcome by ground zero, you know, uh, by the pressures of just getting your kids up to go to school. I, I, I always reminded my wife, our marriage, our parental responsibility, and the pressures of ground zero of the new day to get our kids up and ready for school and for us to get ready to get, start our day should not be a depressing moment, should not be a daunting moment. Why? God woke us up. God gave us life. And I know in that, amen, it's controversy because God, why did I have to wake up here on earth? Why couldn't I have woken up in heaven? You know what I'm, you get what I'm saying? But the reality, man, it's not our time until he says it's our time. Amen. One of the greatest challenges, amen, is to understand this, that we all start at ground zero, but it's the importance of the success of the 23rd hour of the day leading into the 2000 hour of the next day, amen. It's about what we put into to get that outcome of success. When you think about this, amen, Paul, he cites in this portion of scripture four contrasts to show the lives of gospel ministers that their lives are like ordinary day, ordinary fragile, ordinary jars of clay containing a precious possession, a precious treasure, a precious honor. If you and I can just really think about that. And I understand that you got to understand that this is a scripture that is dealing with the church of Corinth. It's not even the first letter, it's the second. And if you're a non-believer or you're just a new believer, you might even think that, uh, that's beyond my scope. That's beyond my magnitude of understanding right now. This letter is written to the church. It's written to those who have believed before or believed for a, a moment or even a long time. Like I share with my family. Amen. God has been so faithful to our family. He's seen us through all these moments and all these times. And I want you to understand this. This is a letter to the ministers. And. Sometimes you don't make a decision to do more than what you're doing because you're scared or, or, or unfamiliar with the, the outcome of responsibility. I, I don't know what it is in many times. I know what it was for me. I was scared. I was foolish. I didn't, I doubted I could be this. When God called me at eight years old and, and anointed me and baptized, you know, through baptism on at nine years old, I realized I had a calling. But I was like, no way, man. I, I, I didn't understand. I wasn't even mature enough and developed enough to understand the magnitude of being a vessel. And you, I want you to understand this, amen, at eight years old and nine years old, when I gave my life to the Lord at eight and, 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 and got baptized at nine and filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand this, at eight years old, it was a time at a Roar Ranger retreat in Idlewild that I was a broken vessel. I had been uh, molested. I had been hurt. I, I, I was growing up in a 
rough childhood and so forth and so on. And, and I want you to understand this, that God called me. And I'm like, dude, broken me. What in the world, man? I, I had so much anger. I had so much fear. I had so much pain. And I want you to understand this because it was in that moment that God reached out to me, but I still doubted so much. I would run from God from eight years old to 28 years old, literally 28 years old. When I came out, got married, amen, answered the call of God, got married, and the rest is history. The rest is history. 20 some years later, my goodness, man. How good God has been. The troubles have pressed on every side, but it has never crushed me. And we have been through hell and back. If any of you understand and know and reflect back into our testimony. From the first loss of our son, Matthew, and even prior to that, amen, even almost losing my wife at the beginning, at the very early beginning of our marriage, due to an occult, due to a church abuse, and so forth and so on. Through, you know, trying to raise a family, through inflictions of disabilities, through life-threatening situations, through, through, through death of my precious bride, all these things. These have been troubles, amen, that have pressed. And so people ask, how are you doing? Hey, man, I am doing great. Why? Not because I'm awesome and not because nothing's going on, but because I'm at the 12th hour of the day, man, it's 1,200 hours. It's 1,300 hours. It's 1,400 hours. Don't I want you to understand this. Amen. When, when, when I give my answer, it's because of what hour of the day it is, man. If it was, you know, old 300, man, I am terrible. I'm broken. I got mocos and snots uh, coming out of my face, amen, because I'm broken before the Lord, amen. And I'm just crying out to him because it's my input period. Some of us as Christians don't have an input period. We just get up, go. Just like you get in your car, you don't even check your oil, you don't even check your water. You wait until 3,500 miles and then you do an oil change. And sometimes you don't even check the oil in between the 3,500 hours. Oh, great. You do great. You have your little sticker in the upper window. Amen. And you tells you and reminds you every time you have 3,500 miles. Amen. And, and it reflects back that you got to get an oil change. How many of you check your oil on a day? How many of you check your oil on the daily? Say, I'm an old construction guy. Learned from a, a, a blessed person in my life, Danny Guterres, out of Chino. Used to call him Uncle Danny. He taught us. Because we I operated equipment, backhoes and skip loaders and front loaders and so forth and so on. Check your oil every single day. Check your hydraulic fluids every single day. I took that into all my life as a young whippersnapper, getting into construction all the way through my career in the conservation. And I taught that to all my students. Check your oil, check your fluids, check your water levels, check everything. Check. And so eventually I would become a commercial driver and get a commercial driver's license. And those are the 10 point, uh, you know, uh, inspections before you even get into the vehicle, especially when you have a passenger endorsement or certain things you got to, excuse me, you got to check. These are the things, amen, that we lose out every day. We get into our car. We don't check the oil. We don't check the water level. We don't even check our tire pressures. We've gotten so fancy that um, you have pressure gauges in your vehicle that if you lose a little bit of air on one tire, it alerts you on the front tire. My dad wrecked the car, amen, brand new car, less than, I don't know, maybe 80 miles on it, amen, popped the rear tire, amen, and the the alarm's going off. You got no air, brother. You got, you're low in pressure. Well, there ain't no air in that tire. And I think we got that. And I wanted to just share this with you because we don't have a foundation of what we do to input and prepare. I can tell you this much right now. We've gotten so used to all this technology that we wait until the car to tell us the air is out. The car to indicate we need to check the oil. The car to indicate of the miles of the odometer that we have to change the oil without our ability or the neglect of our responsibility to check that oil every single day or every other day, especially for the commute that many do. 
It's no different. We get that bad habit in the church and we get angry at the pastor. I know people tell me, well, you don't call me. You don't check up on me. You're so used to, amen, that the indicators tell you when something's wrong. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to teach you preemptively and preventively so that when you are pressed, listen, when I respond, it's the hour of the day. I am doing great. I made it past noon. You don't understand when I say I'm doing good. <laughs> when I was asked after the, the mortuary service, amen, I'm doing great. Why? Because you do not understand what I needed to do to get to that point. And the pressure and the nervousness and the overwhelmingness, amen, that was going on with the fact that I have to commence the service and I got to make sure that all these areas, my son's covered, the car's covered, everything, and I'm doing all these other things. And man, we got through that. Whoa, I, I, man, I'm flying now. I'm successful. I feel like a Super Bowl champion. Come on. LA Rams, one more time this year. Come on. And people ask me at the end of the day, Around two o'clock, how no, but how are you? Oh, oh man, I am doing great. I, I just made it to the 1400 hour. I'm halfway through to my 2300 hour moment in today. Knowing, amen, tomorrow will have its own worries of its own. I'm not worried about tomorrow. It gives you a new perspective of worrying doesn't do anything. Why? I'm just trying to get to the next hundred hour. 1400 hours to the 1500 hours to the 1600 hours to the 1700. And man, it just kept going on. And as the hours kept passing, I am even more doing better. But it's all going to start all over again because I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'll be at ground zero again. What do you do when it's ground zero? What do you do to input into your success? When Paul does this, amen, and breaks this down into these. Uh, four ca uh, contrasts or four categories. He describes the hardships they experience. Then he explains how God's power sustains them through times of adversity. That's exactly what I just did. We're going to close now. This is part number one. And we'll do next Friday, two, three, and four, and so forth and so on. We are pressed, but not crushed is the first hardship and corresponding display of God's power in his life. I'm sharing all that with you, pressed but not crushed. I have troubles on every single side. They, from the west, the east, the north, the south, I pray that over my family. God protect us as it comes. It will come, and it has come, and it is coming. Come on, somebody. Those moments of, you know, especially after the loss of a loved one, amen, it's the aftermath that we have to deal with when nobody else is there. I'm doing good. Why? Because I woke up this morning. I'm doing good. Why? Because we are rolling today. And, and you got to understand this, amen. It's not ground zero. I, you don't want to know about that. That's where it seems like it's not going to happen. Like we're a ship battered by the seas. And that's when we just woken up. At least for me, it has. Why? Because I put input. I'm not going to feel like that at, 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 at the first hour of my day, the second hour of my day, the third hour of my day. Why? Because but because of, of the success of input of what I'm putting into the success of the desired outcome at the 2300 hour. If you're not praying and reading before you do anything else, you are setting yourself up for failure. And that's what I am explaining. The ma major conflict in, 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 in understanding this is that when we have doubt and questions, why am I going through what I'm going through? If you were in prayer and in the word of God, you would already know why you're going through what you're going through. I understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. It's all part of God's plan. As a widow, amen, without my wife, I miss my wife. I go hunting this, this season's upon me now, and I go to places that reminds me of my wife, and I miss, it hurts, it's painful, it's devastating. But man, the input of understanding that God's promise and plan was fulfilled, amen, I am going to get through. Why? Because I understand that promise. I understand it better than anything. Like we say these things, like the back of my hand. I know it like the back of my hand. And when you know that you know, and that's why we use that, that cliche, if you know, you know. Come on, somebody. God has a plan. And he's always on the top. He's always successful. And he's going to take you and I along with him because we're pressed but not crushed. And we understand this, amen, that, that it means, amen, that God's power sustains us through these times of adversity. 
Once again, we are pressed but not crushed is the first hardship and corresponding display of God's power. The word for pressed in the original Greek means afflicted, to be brought into difficulties, to be brought into troubles, to be brought into distresses, or even into suffer sufferings. And the term is described and translated crushed. It's similar because it speaks of being afflicted or distressed to the point of total hopelessness. And Paul's understanding is to describe being in a situation without any hope of escape or survival. I don't even know what time it is. I don't even know how long I've been going. And hopefully this message is not too long, but I'm going to end there. Pressed but not crushed. We must be in God's word. We must be in fellowship, if anything, in prayer. And we've gotten so used to that we have all these indicators that tell us when we're wrong. And so we've taken that bad habit of comfort and luxury and we have applied it into our spirituality. The pastor will tell me when I am going to have problems or he's going to tell me the answer. No, the, it's in the word. You must find the answer to your situation. You must find the answer to your troubles and to your problems. Whether it be your marriage, whether it be your relationships, whether it be your children and parentally and your, 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 your success in life as career and profession and so forth and so on. <coughs> you must find that. I or, 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 or any system. And that's what happens. Church becomes that system. And if it isn't working, you just don't use it anymore. Many of us will drive around with a check engine light. And if it's not going to blow up the car, well, we'll just let it go with the check engine light on. I have a check engine light in the van and I still drive. I have an ABS light on, on the van and I still drive. It, those are supposed to be indicators that something's wrong. You know, it's amazing. You take those to a mechanic and you say, hey, man, I got a check engine light. Oh, no, it's not. It's nothing. Excuse me? A check engine light is nothing. It was there for something. It's amazing. You take your car. I, you know, yes, I was out roading uh, up in uh, Manzanita. Uh, with our dear friend David and Roger and, and, and Sugar up in Bishop. And we hit this trail in the Montanilla uh, 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 mines up there. And the road going in that's that's paved with the, uh, a tractor, a bulldozer. You get the rubbles, you know, and, and the van's doing this, blah, 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 blah. And my ABS light going, man, that's telling you something's wrong with your system. Take it to the mechanic. Oh, it's nothing. It's just. A sensor. Exactly. Sensing that something's not right. Isn't that amazing? And yes, so I drive around. I drive around with a check engine light. I drive around with an ABS indicated light because my mechanic says it's all right. That's like you coming to the church and you have these sensors going off and you say, Pastor, what is this is? If the minister understands anything, he's definitely going to tell you, oh, just ignore those sensors. Just ignore those. As long as it's not flashing. That's what the mechanic said. Oh, yeah, it's a check-in. It's letting you know that you probably need a sensor or something's going on in it. But as long as it's not flashing, if it flashes, then oh, you, then you're really in trouble. Excuse me? Let me tell you something as a shepherd. Your sensors are going off, and they don't need to be flashing. But I'm telling you this. If you want a great success of outcome on your 23rd hour of the day, it is going to be crucial. You better pay attention. And this is the thing is, the way that you deal with your situations on a day-to-day -day or a week-to-week, -week, amen, is only the indication of that you are neglecting some of these sensors. Get down on your knees and pray. Give the input to the outcome. Come on, somebody. I pray every day. I pray all day sometimes. I pray every minute. And that's the reason why when somebody asks me like today, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I've made it to the 1400 hour. My God, I didn't even think I was going to make it through the second hour of the day. Now I'm on the 
the, 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 the ninth hour, the eighth hour, the 23rd hundred hour of the day. My God, I am victorious. You get what I'm saying? Why? Because I started out ground zero. And how do I have that hope in, in earthen vessels? It's because of the treasure that I hold within my heart, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that only is manifested because of the input that is being put into. I'm checking the oil before I start my car. I'm, I, man, I'm checking the tire pressures. I, I'm checking the fluid levels and everything else. I'm checking, amen, the tread level, the brakes, to see if there's any leaks underneath the vehicle, the seat belts, everything, the brake lights and everything else, because I would not want to be rear-ended because of a faulty brake light. You get what I'm saying? And so many of us, amen, are getting up, amen, just putting the key in the ignition, starting it up and just driving because it's not 3,500 miles. So I don't need an oil change. So there, there, there's no possible way that I need oil in my car, amen. And annually, I, don't, I do a radiator flesh, so I don't need fluid in my car and so forth and so on. No, it's important every day because we all start at ground zero. God bless you tonight, amen. I pray that, this first introduction to this Bible study, I got to stop because I don't even know what time it is. Amen. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying that's enough. God bless you.